Welcome to Fringe with Benefits. I am Stacy, your hostess with the mostest. Is that a misogyny? Am I not being PC? Am I not going to get the ESG points? Oh no, just kidding. I couldn't care less. Maybe someday elitist manufactured wokeism will just be a history lesson of what never to do in the future. I am back again, and I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. Stacy socials this week. I'm sure your guys' social media is freaking off the hook, too. I'm, off, I'm really wondering what everybody else sees, because what I see is just bizarre. This week, I pulled a few articles on things that I wanted to talk about. And the first thing is a New York Post article about Eric Clapton. I've talked about him on the podcast before. In this article, it's kind of like, I don't know if they're kind of slamming him, but it says, Eric Clapton, people vaccinated against COVID are under hypnosis. Now, I think we've all said this. So he brings up something very important. He went on the Real Music Observer YouTube channel to discuss how his life has changed since taking the AstraZeneca. He has since become outspoken about his inability to support this vaccine being mandated. He claimed that he'd been duped into getting it by subliminal messaging and pharmaceutical advertising and urged others not to fail for it. Quote, whatever the memo was, it hadn't reached me. He said, referring to the mass formations hypnosis conspiracy theory, which gained traction in 2021 as a part of the anti-vaccine propaganda. You see how they did that? In other circles, it's also being called mass formation psychosis. This is credited to Belgian psychologist Matthias Desmet. The theory essentially points to a sort of mind control that has taken over society, allowing for unscrupulous leaders to easily manipulate populations into accepting vaccines or wearing face masks. Clapton said, quote, then I started to realize there was really a memo and a guy, Matthias Desmet, professor of clinical psychology at the Ghent University in Belgium, talked about it. He continued, and it's great, the theory of mass formation hypnosis. And I could see it then. Once I kind of started to look for it, I saw it everywhere. He recalled seeing little things on YouTube, which were like subliminal advertising. He said that he also talked with um, songwriter Van Morrison to speak up on behalf of other artists against these requirements. He said that my career had almost gone away at the point where I spoke out. It had been almost 18 months since I had kind of been forcibly retired. So he had a really bad reaction and his hands wouldn't even work. He admitted that he'd given up on recent news media, which he described as one-way traffic about following orders and obedience. And he said that this decision has helped him creatively and professionally. He also joked about losing touch with friends and family over his views. He said, my family and friends think I'm a crackpot anyways. And over the last year, there's been a lot of disappearing, a lot of dust around with people moving away quite quickly. It has, for me, refined the kinds of friendships I have. And it's dwindled down to the people that I obviously really need and love. He goes on to say that inside my family, that became quite pivotal. This is speaking of his wife and his four daughters. He said, I've got teenage girls and an older girl who's in her 30s. They've all had to kind of give me leeway because I haven't been able to convince any of them. He's also been known to throw his support behind other anti-vax activists, including donating more than 1300 bucks to a British rock group who were slapped with fines after breaching protocol during a show. He's also not playing any venues that discriminate against anybody who hasn't had 
the unmentionable. Not like I haven't said it on here several times. Next, anybody's following NFT things, this is crazy. There's this Indonesian student who accidentally became a millionaire after selling his selfies as non-fungible tokens, aka NFTs. This is a unique digital asset representing ownership of real-world items such as photographs. His name is Gustav Al-Ghazali. He's 22. He studies computer science at in a college in Indonesia. He took photos of himself sitting in front of the computer every day for five years. He initially intended to use the selfies to create a time-lapse video for his graduation, but then he decided to sell them as NFTs. He listed 933 selfies entitled Gozali Every Day on the trading platform OpenSea. He said, I never thought anybody would want to buy the selfies, which is why I only price them at $3. But his photos gained attention after a celebrity chef purchased some and promoted them on his social media. And since then, over 500 users have purchased these selfies. Some of his followers have made t-shirts, others have penned songs. As of um, that last week, his collection reached a total trade volume of 384 ether, equivalent to more than a million bucks. He has expressed confusion about why his selfies have become popular. He said, today I sold more than 230 plus, and now I don't understand why you want to buy NFT photos of me. I thank you guys for fi the five years of effort paid off. Hell yeah, dude. I think that that's awesome. Get that money. Next is another New York Post article about a US USA swimming official resigning in protest of the transgender swimmer, Leah Thomas, saying she can't back a sport that allows biological men to compete alongside women, because this this person is demolishing all these titles. The woman who resigned is named Cynthia Millen. She had officiated USA swimming meets for nearly three decades. She stepped down and she said, I can't do this. And she said that she couldn't support this at all. And she's hoping that others in the sport will agree that this young man or young woman, he wants to be called, who is biologically a young man, he has an unfair advantage over female competitors after coming out as transgender in 2019, following three years on the men's team at the University of Pennsylvania. Millen's letter said, I told my fellow officials I can no longer participate in a sport that allows biological men to compete against women. Everything fair about swimming is being destroyed. I will have to back her on this because women have fought a long time and arduously to be able to have their own sports respected. And now we've got biological men wanting to participate or compete as women. And they have an unfair advantage over us. They are physically more capable. They're stronger. They're genetically, I mean, there are things that even though he says that he's a woman, there are things that he'll never be able to change about himself. You can't. It's in every, every strand of DNA in our body. Last but not least, Biden, this is kind of ironic. So he went to Pittsburgh. That was today. By the time you listen to this, it'll probably be a few days. He visited the site of a bridge that collapsed hours before his arrival. And he vowed to kickstart a national effort to repair faulty infrastructure. So he was there to speak about fixing the bridges, but hours before this bridge collapsed. Biden's motorcade reached the remains of Fern Hollow Bridge just after 1 p.m. The span had crumbled about six hours earlier, injuring 10 people, three of whom were hospitalized. No fatalities, thank goodness. This is Biden, quote, 
It's incredible, as he surveyed the snow-covered wreckage before praising the efforts of emergency personnel. It was probably too early for, early for joggers to be down here, Biden said to first responders. A police officer corrected him and said, there was a few joggers, actually. One of them actually helped us get some people out of the cars. Biden said, well, I'll be damned. Another man said, it's a miracle, Mr. President. And Biden agreed, saying, it really is. It's astounding. He said, I didn't realize there are literally more bridges in Pittsburgh than there are in any other city in the world. Did you know more than in Venice? We're going, they're going to fix them all. Not a joke. After inspecting the rubble-filled ravine, Biden expressed confusion about the age of the concrete and the steel bridge that opened in 1973. Quote, a bridge more than 50 years old. A hundred. I think it was 150 years. It says 50 years old, but I thought it was older. Collapsed right here in Pittsburgh. It had been rated in poor condition for the past 10 years. What you all know, if you don't, you should know, there are another... 3,300 bridges here in Pennsylvania, some of which are just as old and just as decrepit condition as that bridge was. End quote. It's been a hellacious week, and I lost my sweet old man, Boondock. He was the most amazing dog. He saved my oldest from being from many ass whoopings because that dog would get between us when I was trying to discipline him and he would bite me and wouldn't let me do it. He wouldn't bite me hard, but he would bite me just to let me know that I was not going to put my hands on that kid. I will miss being barked at every time I belt out in song in the kitchen. I will miss the clicking nails on the kitchen floor at dinner time, knowing Boondock was making sure we didn't leave a morsel on the ground. I will miss being barked at for the nightly treat. Bella Jean is our surviving pup. She is a couple years younger than Boondock, so she will be with us for a while, hopefully for a long while. We are all sad, but there is a sense of relief that he is no longer suffering. His life was full, and he was and is dearly loved. To everyone who has had to euthanize an animal, I feel your pain. They are the best beings in the whole world. My career has kept me pretty busy, so I haven't been able to record. I'm excited for the future with all of that, and we are also looking into moving the hell out of Washington State. They expect too much cost for having to deal with the homelessness crisis, mail-in voting, woke schools, and muzzling everyone with face diapers. I'm done here. In fact, I was warned, and I didn't listen. Western Washington is a total disaster. End of rant there. I hope everyone has been enjoying the interviews. I have a real treat for you all today. Gary Golding, the Tarzan of Los Angeles, will be joining me for discussion. Hang tight and enjoy the show. Business real quick. Well, if you're on Facebook, I've got several Facebook pages. We've got the Fringe Benefits page, Inward Survival, and my fan page, Stacey Leo Sorio. Twitter, you can find me at Stacey Fringe, and I am on other platforms. I don't even want to list them. If you want to look for me, it's usually Golden Valkyrie. I am on Rumble and BitChute, same handle. YouTube is at Golden Valkyrification. Go visit Inward Survival at InwardSurvival.com. Sign the mailing list. I am now on Clapper. I'm definitely not doing that much, but this week's been kind of slow. Fringe with Benefits has a Patreon. There is some gated content there. Go subscribe to the Fringe with Benefits Telegram channel. It is also in the show notes. And give me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. The more interaction, the more it's seen. And you can also share the show to a friend, text it to your friend. 
uh, anybody who's like into fringe topics and conspiracy theories, this is the show for you. And go visit the Fringe with Benefits Anchor homepage linked below and visit the Support the Show button if you'd like to give a monthly contribution. If you have any stories of anything crazy that you want to share with me, or if you want to be on the show, please send me an email at fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. If you have a story of your grandpa being in the woods and he's seen Bigfoot or a rake or a skinwalker or shit, who knows what people have experienced, but I know that a lot of people out there have experienced things and they either don't want to talk about it or they're embarrassed, you can be totally anonymous. Send me an email, fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. Welcome back, everybody. I have a real treat for you. I have Naked and Afraid legend Gary Golding, also known as Tarzan of Los Angeles. He's an extraordinary guy and absolutely fits in with this podcast because he's the weirdest motherfucker I've ever met. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Not the weirdest, but close to. You have definitely got weird cornered on, on the Naked and Afraid market. Thank you very much. Actually, I, I, uh, that's funny you say that because there's an episode that I actually introduced called Naked and Weird. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. There's an episode called Naked and Weird and it opens with me and discovery. Uh, the narrator says Gary Golding is undoubtedly the most unique survivalist ever. I agree with that one for sure. And I was like, and I was like, all right, I'll take it, you know? So yeah, that, I think that's okay. As a teacher, I teach kids, right? And mm-hmm. I have this rule that I tell the kids. I say, whatever you do, don't you ever call me normal. You understand me? You're in trouble. You call me normal. And so then they'll they'll start, you're Mr. Gary, you're normal. And I'll be like, and I'll start getting <laughs> upset. And I'll be like, why are you guys calling me normal? Knock it off. And then they'll go, you're weird, Mr. Gary. And I'll go, oh my God, that, thank you. That is the nicest thing anything anybody's ever said to me you know Aww. and it's a lesson for them in that moment and the lesson because i know they'll get called weird or dumb in their life later or whatever right yeah so the lesson is for them to take it as a compliment and just be like thank you very much i'll take that absolutely Being weird, you know and i and i actually tell people when they tell me i'm weird i actually do say to them i say oh yeah well you're normal nobody wants to be a normie man Uh, i mean (laughs) unless they're normies and then they're completely oblivious that they are a normie or we used to call them yuppies remember that term yuppie all right well i'm from a beach city on the in the on the beach in california and yeah well there's a guy that made a song where i'm from a a punk rock band called yuppie ghetto yeah okay yeah yeah and (laughs) and he was my nemesis. He was in another band. I was a singer oh. in a band. He was my nemesis. But that song stuck out though, Yuppie Ghetto, because yeah. they all moved here and kind of transformed our town. You know, mm-hmm. it was a seedy little kind of bikerish beach town. And all of a sudden it became very yuppied out. I bet. Was that the like the gentrification that happened to all over LA? Yeah, it was wild. Oh God, yeah. I, I come from the beach communities of California where they were kind of like kind of hippie-ish surfer kind of vibe and then all of a sudden they transformed into yeah once once the investors in the world figured out that living by the coast is the ticket then yeah they they transformed big time the whole coastline yeah yeah 
I remember visiting Venice one time and I remember it when I was a kid, the, the population there was, there were a lot of black people there. And so when I went to visit, I was, I asked a guy, I'm sitting in the bar um, and I asked the guy, where are all the black people? And my friend hits me and is like, you can't say that. And the guy looks at me all funny. I'm like, no, seriously, where did they all go? You know, you push them all out with for, with your penny or penny loafer fucking khaki looking ass. That's basically what happened is they pushed them all out. Well, and a lot of, and it was a lot of Latino and, and even like Mexican and Latinos because uh, there's a famous band from there called Suicidal Tendencies. Yeah, and, yeah. And V V13, you know, and Venice had a very a heavy edge too. It still does. And yeah. for a beach community, they were like, kind of like, the bohemian edgiest you know that's that's why jim morrison hunt was from where i'm from like he was from a place called manhattan beach south yeah. bay area he went over and started hanging out in venice because that's where the scene was at you know the bohemian music scene and that's how he met the boys and they would you know that you know because that's what venice is venice is very artistic very uh very diverse very interesting yeah. community yeah i really loved it i always loved it uh, maybe a little less now, now that it's gentrified. Oh, well, uh, well no, it's not. It's the opposite now. Oh, is uh, it? You know, yeah, well, because now that's where all the people from all over the nation gravitate to that are uh, child oh. molesters, uh, drug addicts, uh, fresh out of prison. Whatever. And so our that beach down there now is very dangerous. And so we're you, talking... You, it, if like you dare walk home? on that sand, if you dare walk on that sand barefooted, you better be ready for a syringe in your foot. That's it's likely to happen. So wow. that beach is completely overrun by the homeless. Now, in fact, the star uh, Crocodile Dundee, uh, mm -hmm. he had a he has a house down there right now, and he's trying to get out of there because people are crapping on the front of you know million, the houses with millions. And they're crapping on the sidewalk, breaking into his yard. And because it was a cool place for like the hip to live. Dennis Hopper had his pad down there and all that. And a bunch of people, you know, famous people have places down there, but he's trying to get out of there. They're trying to get out of there now. It's it's yeah. not the same anymore. Wow. It's so not it's, it's not it's not cute. Um that's okay. Are you there? Okay. It, yeah. It's not cute bohemian and 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 rough and kind of anymore. It's more mm -hmm dark it's more and, dangerous and yeah. like seattle like seattle and san francisco yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they're I'm just sure, i'm sure we'll get into that a little more about the the degradation of our our nation and our beautiful cities but let's uh real quick let's talk about like how many naked and afraid episodes are we at six now six uh, well, challenges no. or almost a episodes is different challenges i've done six Six challenges. Uh, you'll probably see me on six challenges here. Uh, okay. And six challenges and uh, uh, up to almost 30 episodes. Wow. Um, so I was in 17 episodes in my very first year of exposure. 17 episodes. And that's because, excuse me, you count the like 10 episodes that are in Excel, right? Mm -hmm. And then I was in Naked and Weird, Naked and Afraid, Just Kidding. Uh, both funny episodes both uh, I introduced both episodes I opened both episodes and uh, which is the benefit of being weird right yeah. so and and you know eating alive with the bugs and then there was uh, medical tap outs because I had a medical tap out so I've had almost every experience you could 
Oh, uh, Animal Encounters, because I got chased by a, an elephant. So I've had almost every little weird experience <laughs> in this journey, right? And so because of those, it's like those special episodes, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I was on the, the tap out one, maybe. I may have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so that's what that's how that happens. People go, how many, how'd you get that many episodes? It's because those special episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then right before um, the year ended, almost to the date, uh, uh, a very special episode came out with me and Matt with two fans in it, Molly and Blair. Like, so that kind of tapped it off at like, I think close to 17 episodes in a first year. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. That means they really like you or people just fucking stop and watch when you're on the TV. Like who's this? Yeah, guy? There, yeah. There was a, there was a. It was, it was kind of a cool because in that journey, uh, you know how it is in our world. Uh, there was a lot of people, uh, kind of like hating on me, and I just had fun t- dancing my way through it, like I could give a crap and just having fun and, and rubbing it in because I just displayed it in a way where like, I don't know, this it's one big accident. I'm just having fun, and they were like. Huh. yeah because i'm really because i'm really trying <laughs> <laughs> i'm not having a good time <laughs> well they're like no i'm really trying to get more episodes and this guy doesn't give a crap and he gets oh, to keep going yeah. I, I, that got back to me that that was happening yeah there's there's some clout chasers happen lots of clout <laughs> chasing happening yeah <laughs> for sure i mean that that's what always what i liked about you when i saw you from a distance before i really talked to you is you were kind of this abstract kind of freak a little bit. I was like, oh, I, I kind of get her a little bit. She's not, she's not sitting there trying to sell me a bunch of products, you know? Right. Yep. I think that's why Discovery liked me too, is because I was I was different and I was odd and genuine and I was honest. So I didn't. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You're definitely relatable to me. Like I was like, oh, there's an odd, genuine, like just kind of mm-hmm. just rolling with it type of person and and not not uh didn't necessarily look like you were doing it because you had a bunch of stuff to sell people type energy you know yeah exactly well because I didn't you know I mean I was there for like a legit purpose I wasn't there to try to build my brand or anything I was trying to feed my kids and finish college so that was it was real you know yeah yeah right yeah that's Mm -hmm. it it's like or, or even just like some people it's like just to escape society you know what I mean it's like you were there for just like so I dig that kind of vibe. F it, man. I just yeah. want to get out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> I want to live it for real. So, okay. On Fringe with Benefits. So I started this whole podcast because of the, the current climate in the world. And I noticed like the, the news is weird and people are weird. And it's like, everybody's in this weird trance. And, and so I did this because I got sick of um, casting my pearls before swine, so to say on social media, because not only, you know, do you get shadow banned, but people just really, they clap back on you and they, they talk shit. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm wasting all of this good energy. I'm going to, I'm going to do this podcast. And so that's where I, I take most of my, my content is I bring it here and I talk about all the weird stuff that's been going on. So I've been kind of been watching these big cities. LA is on the list. I want to know what it's like in LA for you with all these restrictions and, um, you know, has the pandemic died down at all? Has it gotten worse? Um, Tell the audience what, what it's like for you to live down there during all this. Well, living in Los Angeles is, you know, California is a big, long state, right? So, so you've got, uh, it's almost like, 
you move down the state and you get freer. So in the north, you got San Francisco and their total, that's even just more of a rat hole with the way they're doing things. People running into stores, rip, stealing everything. The, 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 the targets have to close at 6 p.m. because they can't stay open late anymore. The Walgreens shut down, right? So basically, uh, they have stricter mask rules. In fact, up there, I think in the San Francisco area, they're trying to be like kind of like New Yorkish where they're checking five-year-olds for like papers, right? Mm, so, wow. so it's like, then, then you move down a little bit and you get into LA and it's a little bit like that. Cause they got Gascon who went up there and he screwed up San Francisco. Now we got him here in LA as the, uh, as a DA, as a district attorney. Right. So, and then he came and announced, okay, you're allowed to steal everything here too. You're allowed to steal everything from the grocery. I don't know if you know, but we're allowed to go into grocery stores and steal $950 of the stuff. And, oh, wow. and they can't, and they don't, they don't press charges. So you actually have in California, so you got to remember now you got organized crime to a degree. So then you'll get like maybe a gang member finds like a homeless person and says, Hey, so there's a market now because then they go, you go in there and here's a list still uh, these, these pharmaceuticals, whatever all these medicines are, and mm-hmm. alcohols and uh, go in there and steal that. And you have a guaranteed buyer. I'll give you 200 bucks for everything you steal. So then the homeless guy is like, or the, or the lower level criminal, mm-hmm. it's like, well, damn. Okay. I, you know, since I got a buyer and I don't have to like go and hustle it and try to like, what, what am I, what am I going to do? Craigslist, a bunch of whiskey. Right. So they get a buyer. So they have, so the organized crime will tell them to go do this. So they go in there with a the calculator and they'll literally go in there with a the calculator and calculate it as they're stealing it. They'll get up to 950 bucks and then walk out <laughs> with someone sitting where you go. And they're like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And then they leave and then it's sold. And then they go, what else do you need? You know, mm-hmm. maybe they, what if they did that three times a day? They make 600 bucks, right? Or something. So that's a good job, right? So, yeah. or they probably do it once and then they go get their dope and get high, whatever it is, right? So that's what's, ha- that's what's happened is there's that element. I heard about organized crime element capitalizing on this. But then you got people that are just going to load their households up, right? So, you know, I've been in the grocery store and I watched, I watched the lady walk out with a full grocery cart full of, uh, I don't know what it is. I seen it even on the videos where they steal a bunch of laundry detergent. I don't, laundry detergent must be a thing. I don't get it. So, and so she had a bunch of meat. It was around Thanksgiving laundry detergent. <laughs> it looked like maybe about probably $2,000 worth of stuff in this grocery cart and they stopped her at the door right there when I was right there and said, Hey, nah, where are you going with that? And then she said, forget it then. And she just left the cart uh-huh. and she just walked off. Right. Cause she's like, you she know, tried. <laughs> yeah, we're cool. So it's kind of like that easy. So I asked the manager, I said, man, how does that happen? He's all, Oh man, it happens all the time. One day we had a guy, he, he had 3000, he had a, one grocery cart with three G's. And I said, this is how I learned. I said, three G's. He goes, Oh yeah. they you know, you get the medicines that are worth a lot. They, they mm-hmm. steal the stuff. So small things that cost a lot of money, they know what they're doing. So yeah. they get it kind of, they get it, they get a system down. Right. Wow. And so, yeah, there's all of that happening. And so I'll tell you a little, a fun, a fun fact, right? So now you got someone like, like Bezos, right. That bought Whole Foods and, yeah. and he bought the Washington Post so he could produce his own press too right Mm -hmm. yeah and uh he's kind of has a lot to do with a lot of what's going on and i would say maybe kind of a little bit enslaving our population right so Mm -hmm. you know i have some friends i know who kind of 
kind of came up with a little plan. It's like, okay, well, if we're going to steal, let's do from Whole Foods. I'm going to steal from Jeff. I'll just use the system, his own system against him. Good. You guys want to play? You want to play? Let's play. All right. I won't do it to mom and pop, but I'll do it to the billionaire that's trying to screw me over. I'll I'll steal. I'll steal from you. It's like stealing from your slave master, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you got it coming. You know, so there's a little bit of that element that I've tapped into in our society and in our culture that I'm like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Two can play at this game. Yeah, yeah, right. So you kind of use their own system against them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm over it. Like I I have a, I had a big big thing against the masks. It just it felt wrong to me. I just couldn't do it. And every time I did, I felt fucking dirty and just violated and everything about it just felt so awful. And that was one of the things that I I talked about and I I've been active in my school district meetings. Actually, I pulled my kid from public school, but I've been in every single district meeting from the beginning because of the masking. Well, now now we've been mandated to get these jabs or the kids or they're voting for that. But they're also going as far as voting to forcefully take people from their homes involuntarily for quarantine. And they've got a couple of facilities. One of them is a seedy motel. I don't know how they're pulling that off, but I, I know that there's That's another what they one. Did in Canada. That's what they did in Canada. They use those hotels. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm, familiar, I'm familiar with it. Bill WAC 246-100-040. I know. I, I follow it. It's like Bill A416 in New York. Same thing. And uh, I totally know about it. And, and, and back to where we were at the grocery store, I'm the only one a lot of times. Oh, dang it. Let me, uh, I'm the only one, I'm the only one a lot of times in the grocery store here where I'm at without a mask. Yeah. The only, same, the only, here. the only one. Oh, really? You, you do that too? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't go, I will not patronize a store that will not allow me to not wear one. Well, if they say something to me, I'll put it on if I, cause I have to exist a little bit, but most of them haven't been saying anything to me. And uh, I had one say something to me. And if I, the way it works in LA, if I go towards more of the center of LA and the city where they're going crazy, cause people go, Oh, you live in LA, but I live, I live in this really sheltered part of LA where that stuff doesn't come to where I'm at. So whenever you see riots and you see all kinds of craziness in LA, people contact me all the time, dude, what's happening? Are you okay out there? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm, it's it's a twenty minute drive from me. I could go in there if I want, but yeah. I get to watch TV from TV like you, and I feel like I'm just as far away as you are. I'm like, yeah. ah, cool. That's over there. I'm going to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you people guys, don't realize. You guys have fun. You guys have fun tearing it up out there. <laughs> so, and that's where the real victims are at out there in the inner city. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and I I feel really bad. Well, let's let's talk about. Um, I don't know. Real quick, like I didn't let's go back a little bit because you mentioned something that people like to talk about. They ask this question about what it's like for us coming out of the challenge and does it take a minute to readjust to society? And um, and what do you think about that? We talked about that a little bit before, but I wanted you to elaborate on how you feel about that question and how you feel about that idea that it's difficult for us to go from primitive living really toughly in that situation back into this like really comfortable first world type of living. Yeah. Okay. I love the, I love, you know, you know what it's because what I love about the question is it's a psychological setup, right? So it's kind of like, it's kind of like 
you almost feel, you know, sometimes I, there's this thing that happens when people ask you a question a certain way, it almost steers you and you, mm-hmm. you won't even realize you're going with it. It psychologically guides you to answer a certain way and to think of it a certain way. And so you might be thinking, man, I can't wait to get back in society and just be right in there. But the question will be like the common question before I go into a challenge, I know I'm going to go starve, sleep in the dirt with scorpions running across my body, Mm -hmm. hot water spilling on me, burning my skin, third degree. I, I, I got third degree burns on my butt from the fire one time, right? We're out there getting beat to crap going through hell, right? Right. And so I mentally prepare myself by listening to the Spartans. I watch Spartan uh, speeches and scenes. And, uh, and so my favorite scene that I watch before I go in there is the scene when the guy is patching his eye up around the fire after the battle and he lost an eye mm-hmm. and King Leonidas walks up to him. Who's also does battle next to his men. So, you know, as a King, he's not just a King, he's also a warrior. And he walks up to uh, the the guy as he's patching his eye that has been taken out. And he says to him, because this is their mentality as, as humans. He says, I trust that little uh, scratch on your face isn't going to render you useless. And so he's already approaching him. Like, are you, instead of walking up, like you might expect from other people, are you okay? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, he's like, he calls it a little scratch. Like, and of course his response, because it's how their culture, it's how you're socialized. It's how your culture is. Right. And he, and he puts it on and goes, nah, it's just an eye, sir. Mm-hmm. The Lord has saw fit to give me a spare. So <laughs> your typical human would be like, yeah, oh my God, an eye, I lost my eye. Right. Uh-huh. They're like, nah, just an eye. Right. Yeah. So. I'm like, that's where I want to be. That's who I want to be. That's what I want to achieve as a man or as a human or as a woman. Okay. Whatever. Mm -hmm. As a human, that's what I'm after. I'm going to really need it doing these challenges. Right. So then the question that you bring up, people say all the time, and I used to kind of buy into the question because the way it was asked. So then I would kind of believe it myself. And even, you know, when we're out there, everybody talks about, yeah, you got to ease into it with some broth and you got to like ease. Right. And and so, so I was like, even, even our, even our co our our partners, right. We even talk that way about it sometimes. And then I started thinking and I started thinking, you know, so people will say, Hey, is it hard to adapt to society? And, and like, you know, and, and what you eat and stuff. And I'm going like, I thought about it at first. I used to believe I, mm-hmm. I was mentally, psychologically programmed through that questioning and that belief system, because what you're, what people tell you is what you'll kind of think you're supposed to be and believe to be the reality. And yeah. And so it kind of led me that way. I was like, Oh, I know. Yeah, it's tough. And, and then I thought about it finally. And I thought, you know, do you have to ease into what you eat and everything? And I thought, you know what, man, if I found a Coca-Cola and a Reese's peanut butter cup out there in the middle of the wild, I would eat that thing in a heartbeat. Right. I wouldn't have to think about whether it's going to like be hard on my system. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. You I know, didn't hold we back. We would just eat it, it, would, it yeah. compared to starving. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so I'm like, so I'm like, I finally had to get past that. And I used to believe that it was hard to adapt to society. And I was like, you mean where you got cushions all the time? Have you ever gone a month without putting your butt on a cushion yeah. or being able to call the one you love and check on them or listen to any song you want on the radio or go get a drink out of the fridge at the perfect temperature that you like, right? Yep. So, Ice, yeah. Yeah, right? And yeah. like buttered bread. It's like, no. A I'm blanket? Not let myself, yeah, a blanket, right? And I, thought, and I thought, 
excuse me. I'm like, what kind of bitch am I? I actually believe that you got to adapt to getting going back into society. <laughs> I mean, like, you mean I got to adapt to going to real easy, like to go hug the ones I love. And yeah. I kind of almost bought it for a while. Right. Like, yeah, the, it's just because it's overwhelming. It's like, no, I've been there most of my life. And how hard is it to what I get to peach cobbler and time I want? No, it's not hard at all. I'm going to mm-hmm. go out there grab a coca-cola grab a peanut butter well i won't drink that anymore because they're trying to make me think way. but whatever grab a soda grab a, a piece of chocolate and eat and drink it and be like yeah I, you know i did it and call the people i love no adapting needed no yeah. adapting needed i'm not going to tell myself that there is either because what kind of wimp would i be if i thought i had to adapt to going back into luxury <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I agree. I totally agree. I think the only thing that's really different is how you look at everybody else after you've experienced something like that. I can imagine what it's like at coming home from war or being through a really traumatic event. When you look at the people around you that it never occurred to you, but you realize what a total bitch they all are and that they have no idea how good they have it or any idea how what it's really truly like to be in such a tough situation. And so I kind of lost a lot of respect for the people that were in my life. When I came home from that, I was like, you you don't have, (laughs) don't have it. (laughs) They don't have the grit, you know, and we see it. Well, yeah, I remember one thing that really woke me up when I was in Africa and there was just a light breeze. It wasn't, it wasn't a cold day, but you've lost a lot of weight and you're butt naked. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was, I shivered and I was like, God, what I would just do for a thin piece of cotton called a t-shirt right now. <laughs> I just wear it. And so people underestimate the value of even clothes, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and you probably heard that hippie thing, right? This is the funniest hippie thing where it's like, yeah, I've always wanted to like go commune with nature and see, live naked in nature. And I'm thinking, and I'm always thinking, motherfucker, <laughs> you've never lived naked in nature. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they don't know how. Your little hard. hippie version of what it's like to live naked in nature, you've never done it because it ain't what you imagine. Like, I'm not like birds aren't landing on my shoulder and singing to me. <laughs> <laughs> you're picking scabs off your ass because you're sitting on rocks and shit. <laughs> right? Oh it's like God. it's not what they imagine. You know what I mean? No. It's like they got this whole like glamorous, romanticized version. Mm-hmm. And then us being people, so I usually, I'm usually closer to nature than anybody I meet normally right except for people in our world and so i'm like and, and so you you hear their glamorized romanticized version of it it's like i i'm super close to nature i live in it naked a lot of times i in four and a half years i've been six times i mean i i made a career out of living naked in nature for the recent years right and so it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like yeah you you obviously have never gone and done that yeah totally do you think do you think that this type of weak-mindedness that we see the rest of people rest of the people have do you think this is why people are so complacent and why we're in the shitty situation we're in because if we all had the spartan mindset we wouldn't be putting up with this shit like if we didn't want to do something we wouldn't do it and we wouldn't do it just because somebody told us that we should because you know, do you think that that's part of our problem? Yeah, well, what I, it's funny. I came up with a whole philosophical approach to that one time, and I was like, uh, yeah, it is, because what they did, what they did, and what I saw happening a couple of years ago, I shared this online, I remember, or maybe about a year ago, is, you know, before you cook meat, you kind of beat it and tenderize it, right? Mm-hmm. And so they've been tenderizing our culture for a while. Yeah. They've been beating us. 
And because I'll tell you what, like China, for example, they, uh, did you know, they don't, they only allow their kids to, uh, if you're a 14 and below person, they only allow them to be, I think on the uh, internet for 40 minutes a day. Wow. And at 10 PM, they have a curfew till 6 AM. They can't. And, and in between, you know how, like in our culture, we see little TikTok girls with their boobs bouncing and doing mm-hmm. that simple dimple thing and all that type of sexy stuff. Yeah. Theirs is show scientists and doctors. So they're, they're indoctrinating programming their kids. They, they don't want them to be like Americans. Yeah. Okay? And they're on top of it. And they want yeah. a strong culture and they love that we're all into this other side. Oh, yeah. So this meat has been being tenderized and tenderized and demasculated and like untoughened, let's just say, right. And for a while, and then when it gets tender enough and then the culture starts turning on itself and actually thinks it's so sensitive and so soft that it thinks they're all victims. And then we're completely controlled to victim mentality. Then we're easy to take over. Yeah, which is kind of where we're at right now. Well, I saw a survey. They did a survey outside of a college, and these kids are so indoctrinated. They asked if they would donate money to the Taliban. And they said, yeah, yeah, because America's, they're American kids at American college because America's, Americans are assholes. Oh, my God. So they're literally will finance turning in on themselves, not knowing that the whole reason they have a voice and freedom and all that is because of that flag that they Mm -hmm. hate. Yeah. Yeah. The flag, it's become offensive to people. Like somebody flies the American flag, which represents freedom. It's racist. It's racist. It's racist. Yeah. It's insane. And And you know, the thing is, is I was very much online sharing a lot of that energy a long time ago. A lot of, I love Malcolm X. Uh, He was one of my heroes. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a guy who's like opposed to the black militant movement or the native Americans. I always, I would always share pro native American type mentality because I love um, one of my heroes is a, uh, uh, a native called Hatui. Who's the first national hero of Cuba. I don't know if you know who he is. Look him Mm -hmm. up. You'll love him. They have a bust of him over in Cuba. And his story is one of uh Along these lines where the Spaniards, uh, you know, you know, raped their women, killed his family, decimated his tribe, and he escaped from the island in Hispaniola over to the other island. And he told the other natives, he said, throw your gems and stones into this and gold into the sea. This is the God that the Spaniards worship. This is what they kill us for. And they were all like, yeah, right. We're going to like throw all this stuff in the sea. And on February 2nd, 1512, Spaniards caught up to Hatui on this island and they uh had him to a stake and they were going to burn him alive in front of all the other natives to make an example out of him and so now the you know now they're christians and they're spaniards and so the priest asked hatui he said do you accept jesus into your heart so you can go to heaven and so hatui's perspective is he goes are there christians and spaniards in heaven this heaven you speak of and then they go, why, yes, there, there's many. And he goes, but no, I don't <laughs> want to go to this heaven. And then, because to him, oh, it's yeah. all perspective. It's all mm-hmm. perspective. They were the most evil, vile things on earth. And yeah. so they lit him on fire right in front of everybody. And he wouldn't submit. And all the natives yelled, ah, do we, ah, do we. And now he's the national hero of Cuba and uh, first national hero of Cuba, wow. and they have a big bust of him over there. And so it's all perspective. So I was all pro that energy, right? Mm-hmm. But then I started realizing it was starting to backfire a little bit on my on my country because I was doing this before you started seeing all these other kids and people doing it. 
to the degree they are now. And I said, well, wait a second. I always recognized back then that the only reason I was allowed to do this is because of that American flag, Mm -hmm. because of the First Amendment. But now they'll be sharing this energy and they're all about it, but they don't believe in the First Amendment or the American flag. It's like, don't you know that's what gives you the voice to even act like that? Mm -hmm. And so they're actually going to ask for all that freedom as they're fighting for these natives or whatever in their mind. They're going to, they're slowly giving away the freedom that right now, I mean, I, what I tell people is, Hey, would you rather, uh, these people conquered this continent or these other people that were like more like communists? I mean, everybody was doing it at the time. So it's kind of an interesting concept. And and I'm very highly aware in um, the American constitution, the first and second, we're the only country with the first amendment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that they're, you know, the powers that be, the people that are manipulating and orchestrating this whole thing is they're, they're using people's uh, compassion for people and for situations and they're using it and then they're twisting it and they're manipulating people into doing their dirty work while under the guise of, you know, being racial equality, um, you know, trans rights, um, you know, they, they take people like liberals, like me, who just love people or try to love people, uh, and then they use them to well, Yeah, that's what I was always saying. I'm, I'm saying they're, used, they're using your very kind heart mm-hmm. against yeah. you. So, so that's where they're using, and they know they are. They yeah. know they are. They're, use, they're using your most beautiful part of you against you and to conquer you. And they found a way to do it. It's the key. I could see it. I'm thinking a lot of people can't see it and and so it's what you're saying it's kind of like look here's what i'm getting at it's like even the native the natives the native americans in our culture here like if it wasn't the the current like conquerors that they call them or whatever if it was someone else i mean look what they're doing to the uyghurs over in china i mean they might have been be totally um be treated even more terrible than than what they've been through in the past but our country has also gotten rid of quicker than any other nation slavery and everything and their culture and nothing starts out perfect and and it was something everybody was doing i'm sicilian mm-hmm. okay i'm sicilian you know we don't hate all asians because uh genghis khan uh yeah. had one of the largest land masses ever this isn't a white thing this is genghis khan was asian i'm from sicily the moors the moors mm-hmm. were african yeah and it, it's like this is just what the world does. And everybody's mad at the winner because the founding fathers were white when they were participating in what everybody else was doing over here anyways. And just because of maybe they're racist because they're mad that the winners had a certain skin color. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it, what, point. So, so it's kind of like, it's like, cause you know, and it's not pretty, nobody's saying that it's all a good thing, but not many things start out pretty, but we, we were getting, as yeah. a nation, we were we were getting pretty. You know, women got started getting equal rights, and 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 people were freed, and and uh, people were able to say whatever they want, and start happening. And it's almost like we're going backwards now. Yeah, it is. It's it's really really weird. Um, the whole thing is just really weird. And and it's I don't know. I'm I'm a firm believer that we've been lied to since for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years, and that there's things going on, and that there's a secret knowledge, and that it's held by people that have all the control, have all the money, but not they have all the money because they have you know occultism, they have the control of information, they have the control of technology, 
And I'm, you know, I, I just think that they tapped into something that we knew about ancestrally, you know, the ancient human knew about this technology, about these certain abilities, and they, they squashed that and they got rid of the average person having that advantage to, to know, to have knowledge. And so now here we are and nobody has any kind of concept. We are all so distracted. We're in a trance. We're almost, it's like there's a spell that's been cast over everybody with all the, the propaganda and the television and uh, the media just, it's just, it's bizarre. It, the whole thing is just really weird, but I do believe that, you know, there is, I'm an eternal optimist that there is, there is hope. And I think we're seeing the very beginning of people starting to realize the scope of things. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that it's well, getting well, get better? A- a- ancient knowledge. There's a good, what you just said right there. I, I recently found out about something they have, like, I think they have like, this huge number, like, I'm going to guess, like, it's probably bigger or lower, but 40 different kinds of corn in Mexico, right? From maize, maize, right? Mm-hmm. Like, different breeds and kinds that have different qualities, right? But then you have technology, like they did already up here, going in there and saying, hey, we could help you guys so there's no more famine. Here's this certain kind, and it's better. And 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 And, and under the guise of technology and science and here to help, then they control it and they make them all grow this certain kind of corn that won't reproduce or whatever. And so they say they want to help the farmers, but really they want to control them. Right. Yeah. And so that ancient technology might just be as simple as what's in the dirt and and soil and the stuff right in front of us that truly does create longevity and health and all the beautiful stuff, but they come in with their control mechanisms and they, they, they kind of almost want to squash out the ancient technology which is which is very simple it's funny because as you know i have the sentence consume as little as possible and i've designed a life around not being plugged into the matrix you just said you you pulled your kid out of school and i and i always tell people i'm a teacher and if i had kids right now i would tell them f it you're not getting a diploma fuck that diploma that don't mean shit to me like Mm -hmm. that's a piece of bait piece of paper that don't mean shit that they're hanging over your head that you think you need so they could turn you into a slave to the system and give you that shot. And there's people selling their souls right now, taking that shot so they could get that little piece of paper. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Come here, you little son of a bitch. Come here. You're going to learn how to fish. You're going to learn how to hunt. You're going to live. Forget it. We're unplugging from the system. You're going to know. You're going to be super self-reliant. You're going to know how to Rambo this shit. And maybe that's where they need to be taught right and i've designed a life around that you know i just got my my bike set up with bags on the front and back in case the gas gets shut down the grid goes down i'm going to be moving around and and i get off on this this is my energy this is who i am and and i'm and i'm doing stuff off grid and i'm i'm and i and i really admire someone introduced me to a recent guy named diogenes you ever heard of diogenes he was uh Mm -hmm. under alexander the great those times he lived in the kingdom and Alexander the Great sought him out. Diogenes lived in like a big barrel in the middle of the city with the dogs. And he just ate off the ground and, and he saw, uh, and he had, the only possession he had was a cup uh-huh. and he would drink out of the cup. And then he saw a little boy cupping his hands and drinking water out of the, uh, out of, out of a, pu- a puddle. And at that moment, Diogenes said, threw his cup away. 
And he said, I don't need that either. And he lived naked and he would masturbate in front of everybody right there out in the open and just live like an animal, didn't care. And he became like a legend. He was a philosopher and he used mm-hmm. to pick on Socrates and stuff. And, um, and, uh, and so, uh, King Alexander came and said, what do you want? I'll give you anything. I'll give you anything. And, uh, and Diogenes said to King Alexander at that moment, he said, I want you to step out of my son. You're in, you're in the way of the sun. Get out of my way. That's all he, and King Alexander admired that. He said, if I had a choice to be King Alexander, if I wasn't King Alexander, I would wish to be Diogenes. In other words, the guy's happy needing nothing. So I program my brain. That's why on the sentence, I make myself want nothing. I decided my, one of my goals in life is to show the world a man who became successful off of wanting nothing. And I display that to the world. The more success I get, the more I throw a backpack on, I'm barefoot and I just walk around. Yeah. I you love know? that. I love that. His, his slang is, or uh, his, uh, his term is um, consume as little as possible. Is that what it is? Yeah. Consume as little as possible. I trademarked it. It's tattooed on my back and and I'm the only cast member on Naked and Afraid that's allowed to wear his logo from his very first episode to his very last. I'm the only one that they let wear a logo on the that's on awesome. the interviews. Yeah. Yeah. You're such a because good of example. The yeah. You're you're all oh, you're an excellent example for people because you're showing that they can, you know, want nothing and still be happy and still be self-sufficient and and then also to be, you know, this whole eco-friendly thing, you know, being sustainable and not not um, consuming, you know, and contributing to this uh, production machine that's basically polluting our oceans. It's not overpopulation that's causing the problem. It's, you know, litter and it, lack of personal responsibility. And um, yeah, just basically, I think it's badass. I think it's great. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's the thing about it is, and so that's what I try to, that's what I, I tell people, I want to program the world, like, because what they got is they got the system in place, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the, back then, a long time ago, it was, that's why it's called the King James version of like the Bible. Like if I was a king back then, yeah. I would want, I would want you to believe, now check this out, you're going to dig this. I would want you to believe that there was eyes in the sky watching every move you made. So you would act right and you would behave good. And this is what I mean by they use the best part of us to control us. I would want you to believe there was a God watching you at all times, every move you made, because I know I can't watch you all the time if I was the king, but I want you to believe that you're being watched. Right. Mm-hmm. So now, so now, so you, that's why he's even got the King James version or whatever. And I'm not saying that's where he personally was coming from, but I thought about it. If I was a King, I would want the population to believe they're always being watched by some deity. And then, and then they had used confessional. Remember you, I don't, you, you had to confess if you want to go to heaven. Yep. Well, guess what? That was the church's way of spying on the population, getting people to come in and tell them everything they did. They knew where the money was hid, who they slept with, all kinds of stuff. And that's how they actually got the people to use their vulnerable side, the best side of themselves, to let inform them everything going on. Yeah. So now here's what's happened. We do have a God. Satellites in the sky. Google. And yeah. we do have a confessional. Our phone. It tells yeah. them everything we do and believe in. Absolutely. So now they got it all locked in place. And that's why they're so aggressive trying to come after us and control us. Cause they're like, boom, the God is there. The confessionals there. We got these people. We can control them big time. And so they're using the system in place to completely control you. And if you believe you need this system and you're locked into it, you're going to be going, getting things in you because 
because you're like, we're supposed to, we have to, we need to, it's the, uh-huh. it's, it, this is what a good citizen does. Mm-hmm. I must be a good person. So they're using the best side of you, your sweetest part of your human, of your human being to control you. And that's why I always tell people my defiance and my rebellious side of me was probably my best trait as far as keeping me safe. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like being in an abusive relationship, this whole gaslighting and manipulation and just, it's just sick. The whole thing's just sick. Um, so have you noticed, I, we're going to put in a little bit of weird news. Have you noticed that the death rate for uh, middle-aged people have gone up? <laughs> speaking of, speaking of the whole, you know. <laughs> well, here's the perfect thing. And I'll bring this up. Joe's podcast with Dr. Malone. Yeah. Did you watch, did you watch it? No, I haven't watched it yet. It's like, okay. I'll give you a good, it, but this is right with what you're saying. Okay. He, he summed it up. It was a beautiful question. Joe asked him, Hey, how come we're seeing all these deaths? And, uh, and you kind of answered it in like the kid, no, the, my, the heart problems. He said mm-hmm. the myocarditis and the strokes in the heart and, and the kids. Why is yeah. this? Why is it affecting the kids? And the good doctor came up, he, he did, he answered that really good using what you just said. And he said, well, if you had a wall covered in red paint splatters and half of it was white and he didn't use paint splatters, he used something else. I came up with this analogy on my own. Okay. And I did, and I, let's say the wall behind me was white over here and it was completely covered in red paint splatters over here. Okay. I got a red paintbrush and I went like that across both sides, whipped paint across both sides, which side's going to stick out the most the white exactly so this is what he said we had no heart problems and strokes and heart attacks in this age group so now it's sticking out because it was a blank canvas oh so what you just said he said it's happening across the board we're just used to seeing people in their 40s and 50s or whatever to having heart problems so to us it's not sticking out as much so what you're saying what you're saying yeah is happening and he brought that up and so it's undeniable now and it's so funny to me um uh that people are so asleep that like you don't see a problem with a company wanting to wait 75 years or show you what they're doing to you. <laughs> <laughs> i know I mean, you don't see a problem with a, a culture all of a sudden your leadership is being hyper aggressive about pinning you down and shoving something in your body mm-hmm. i don't get it people yeah. are so docile yeah i know it, it blows my mind when I'm in the grocery store and I'm surrounded by masks. I'm like, they rolled over so easy. Yeah. What do you think it's going to take for them to get pissed off enough to be like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. Like, what do we have to take from them from that for them to shake out of their, their dreamland? Well, I think it might, (laughs) I was saying to someone (laughs) we're going to have pretty soon, we're going to have a friend that has 17 of those things in them. It's going to be like, I thought about making like a, because <laughs> I, I came up with some cartoons, like, you know, every scene in the movie airplane or something, it's on one of those bus stops and it shows Rocky 17. Yeah. And it shows, Ro- it shows Rocky is a super old man, right? Because <laughs> of all the sequels. And I thought it's going to be, I want to make like a, a shot version of that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like booster 17. You're looking like a zombie. Right. And so, Shit. so it's like, I think it's going to be to where they're going like, wait a second. They're going to keep pushing it until people finally go, 
I was told one and then two and then three. And, and then I share it in my social media. I'm like, they're on number four. What are you going to take seven of those stinky yeah. things in your, <laughs> What's it, what number are you going to finally go? Wait, I was yeah. told it would work last time and last time and last time. Yep. And yeah. so I think as they stack up, okay, here's the strategy that's happening. They used fear. They used bribery. Like I saw weed places offering free weed. If you get one burgers uh even a brothels offering yeah. sex and yeah. um massages and so so they're gonna first they use bribery they use fear because oh my god i better get this or i'm gonna die then they use bribery then they got all that now they're to a point which is why you bring up the things in washington the little hotel there and the, the little yeah. bills they're passing because they're realizing okay we got all these suckers that fear and um and uh you know oh and the best side of yourself goes to protect grandma right? Mm-hmm. You got to protect grandma. A good person would not kill grandma. So they used all the people that were soft in this area and, and want to do the right thing in this area. They've all done it now. So now they're reaching a point where like, okay, the rest of them are going to take force. Yeah. And they're starting to, they knew that they knew there would be some that would have to take force. So they're trying to turn those other ones against us and blame it on those that don't have it and come after them. And now you're seeing, so it's, I told someone, I didn't used to be considered a radical. I was just a guy that loved freedom, right? But it's kind of like they wrote all the laws around us and yeah. then they changed the whole system. So now, and they're actually labeling us in the media. And now yeah. all of a sudden I'm sitting in the same spot I was with the same beliefs, but now I'm a radical. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm I, a I conservative. People, <laughs> yeah. Right. And I'm going, and so they're doing it on purpose. They're just crafting the laws around you. They're making the bills. They're actually emptying, purging the forces, the police forces. The, the whole, the whole shot idea is like, if you, if you won't take it, you're probably a free thinker and you mm-hmm. probably care about the constitution. So, okay, well then you're fired. And then they're re-interviewing new ones and filling the suits with people that are all down for this and will go along with it. And they don't mind coming after you and because they believe you are a filthy human if you don't take it. And so they're, they're bringing on those type of, they're building the force up with that mentality. And I'll tell you where I started tapping into that. I went to a meeting where I live and the Lieutenant of the police department was in the meeting. And he said, yeah, 30% of this was like maybe, September, he said, 30% of my force is going to be leaving in October because they thought this would happen in October. And he said, I go, what are you, what are you going to do? And he goes, I don't know. I go, are you going to take it? He's all, I got a family to feed. I'm not sure. So I knew that the police department, a bunch of them were going to leave. He told me himself. And I was driving into my town. I saw a sign that said, become a such and such city police officer. And I was like, wait, they're hiring a bunch. And I realized at that moment, it kind of clicked with me. I was like, they're getting rid of those ones because they want to fill those uniforms with ones that think the way they want them to. Yeah. And then what really started making it click with me is then I saw in Austria, they hired a whole bunch of force, a whole bunch of soldiers to go after the unvaccinated. And I was like, wow, they're so bold. They just hired a whole force. They label that over here. They, they're being more clever. They're mm-hmm. just filling the suits with, people that think that way they realize we don't need to have a whole force and a uniform that actually says that we'll just get the ones that believe this way and hire them right and so then i saw bill a416 over in new york and then i saw that they just hired 612 new officers and i was like oh damn so they're they're making the bill to lock people up and they're hiring the army to enforce it Mm -hmm. and they're going to interview them for sure i guarantee you to make sure they think the way they want them to 
Yeah. They're even, do, they're even doing it to our military. Yeah. And so there's, there's a whole strategy where they're just going to go, well, these Americans are used to police forces existing. So we'll just like fill those uniforms, what they're used to with people that think the way we want them to, and they won't be the same police they used to know. It's, it's so unsettling. It's like Germany, 1938 already. Uh, and here we are, here we are. And, and then I'm, and then I'm considered, uh, you know, crazy and radical, but it's, to me, it's like so plain as day. It's a strategy. If I thought of that strategy, you know, yeah. if, I, if I saw the strategy and I'm like seeing it unfold right in front of me and, and then you look what's happening in Australia and oh, everything yeah. and, and you're like, I don't know what you people aren't seeing. Like yeah. the fact that there's even a bill that says that. Yeah. The bill shouldn't even be written. Mm-hmm. I think and a lot of people just in, intentionally don't willful ignorance. They just don't, they don't want to look, they can't look. They're just going to, you know, worry about their fucking social media and their boyfriend and what's on TV that night. You know, people just keep themselves distracted. So they don't have to face the fact that shit's getting gnarly. And <laughs> well, that's the thing about it, Stacy. people like you and me, this is what I've learned. I've being who I am. I've learned this and I was talking about a friend that's kind of like you and I, because we are, you know, there's a bunch of us out there. Um, we love information. We're hungry for it. So we like to look at it. What yeah. I've learned being who I am, I annoy a lot of people. A lot of people don't even want to see it. They don't yeah. want to even like have to, they don't even want to have to address it. It hurts their eyes. Yeah. Right. Because uh, it's like, they don't like the information. They'd rather not have it. Yes. It's, it's and, and it plays into that matrix movie. The, the guy that wanted to take the blue pill again and just forget everything and eat steak and forget that he even saw what he saw. Yeah, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, yeah. but that guy, it, it, I learned that's a real thing. So I'm one of those guys that loved the red one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thrive on it. I love it. I love information. You can't hurt me with it. And so I'm hungry for it. I like it. I like sharing it, but that makes me, I've learned I annoy a lot of people because a lot of people just want someone to do their thinking for them and they, cause it's easier. Yep, that you just nailed it right on the head because it's the easier, more traveled path. You know, they just want to go along with it. Um, so where can we find you, Gary? Uh, I know you uh, you host adventures in LA. So if anybody wants to like hire you to take them out on an adventure, you do that. And where can we find you otherwise? Well, you know, at GaryGolding.com or TarzanOfLosAngeles.com. It's the same place, takes the same place, but. That's what I do is I even teach some courses that people want to get into some sort of off grid or like survival type stuff because I'm pretty equipped in that area. Um, uh, you know, what, what happens with me is some people want to take me seriously because the way I behave in media and all kinds of stuff, but I'm very equipped in that area and I, I offer courses there, but my primary thing that I do is take you on wilderness adventures and I show you LA in California, the way no one else can, like, I'll get you up close to whales with a kayak in a kayak and, and, uh, and take you snorkeling with sea lions coming right up to you. And, um, and like just any custom nature adventure, rock climbing on the ocean and repelling right on the water with whales swimming by as you do it and dolphins. And so, and, you know, I've taken people, I, you know, I took Lacey out there snorkeling with me with some sea lions and, uh, I took Kayla. I saw recently. that you took Kayla. Yeah. She's yeah, awesome. I'm going to have to have her on because she's such a badass. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah, me and Kayla, uh, I love Kayla. You know, she was my girl. She kept me sane out there when I, she was one of my partners in Africa. And mm-hmm. um, I remember looking up at her all the time saying, I'm so glad you're here because, you know, she was down to earth enough and, and to like, 
be nice to me mm-hmm. still because they all teamed up on me, <laughs> <laughs> which was totally my element. You know, that's my life. That's that's my culture. That's my how society is for me anyway. So I'm kind of made for that. Yeah. So, but yeah, I uh, but I do custom adventures, and there's a book a tour page, uh, and Tarzan of Los Angeles everywhere. Instagram dot com. Uh, uh, you know, you, that's how you find me. And I, I do specialize in fun, custom adventures along the California coastline, especially because that's where the safari is out yeah. here. And I show you LA like no one else can, like not the typical things people do out here, which I take you to do stuff that you didn't even know existed in LA. Right. I think that that's going to be really valuable. It's going to be priceless when people, people realize that they're going to need to learn how to you know, live on their own wit and their own knowledge. One of these days, you know, I don't, I don't wish for it and knock on wood that it doesn't happen, but this knowledge is going to be super valuable and really needed. And in my eyes, what you're doing, it makes you heroic. You probably don't see it that way, but you shit, this guy fucking saved somebody's life who was drowning in the ocean. You can find that on YouTube. He's got a YouTube channel. What's your YouTube channel called? That's Tarzan of Los Angeles also. Tarzan, and yeah, yeah, that's that's how Nick and Afraid found me um, from saving a human life actually in the ocean, in nature, right? And so, mm-hmm. and then they saw that this backstory that I was a teacher, a garden teacher of children all over LA. I teach, I basically, what I love that happened in my life, Stacey, is I fell into the job in the school system that is trying to get your kids, but yeah. I got, I had the job that was teaching them how to get out. Right. Awesome. Like I was teaching them gardening. I was teaching them self-reliance in the school system. I love and that. Had a compost. And I was like, okay, this is, this is where I belong. And people would tell me all the time with the way you are, how come you're still in LA? And I said, because those are the people that need to hear my voice. Yeah. Like, I, what good would I do as a monk out in the hills where I couldn't be heard here? I'm a guy the Hollywood out next to Hollywood. I mm-hmm. live in like where Hollywood is as a survivalist. And these are the people that need to hear me the most probably. Right. Totally. So if I made a vow of silence, I, what kind of, what would good would I be doing in the world out there plowing a field? And I said, no, that's why I'm such a loud, boisterous human being because it, it, I created my own version of a monk. I don't follow anything. That's just another uniform. That's just another, that, that monk is another follower. Yep. So, so I just created my own and I'll tell you, you know, who tapped into me, which is a fun story. Speaking of that, cause you're talking about, uh, that knowledge being valuable, you know, Mila Jovovich, uh, oh, yeah. she's, she's a fan of the show. So she, she contacted me. She had me teach her three little girls, two of them. Really? One of them was just born uh-huh. and she had me teach her daughters how to snorkel kayak and then i went to her house and i taught them how to change the tires on their cars oh my god gary that's so awesome i knew you were (laughs) friends with her but i didn't know that she had you come out and show them some stuff oh i'd go to her house and barbecue and then i would teach them to snorkel in their pool i took them out on the ocean i took them down to la jolla Mm -hmm. with uh her older daughters six of her friends and i took them her name eve uh uh ever 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 okay ever yeah and and Took them in this cave. I could only take them one at a time because the waves were big that day on a big soft surfboard. And they got to be in this huge cave. And I taught them how to snorkel. And I got a big group of them all snorkeling. And I, and, and basically, that was her graduating was like she and they got to pet sharks. They got to pet the leopard sharks. That blew wow. their little minds. Yeah, because yeah. I could take you to pet. I could take you to pet leopard sharks. And so they were that blew their little minds. They got the pet leopard sharks and, and they got to like snorkel with golden fish all around them and, and see sea lions right up to them. And so, so anyways, 
she saw the value in like having me, she had her daughter bring a friend over her best friend too, and teaching them how to change tires on the car. And I was like, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, you guys are in a position where you would never have to do that kind of, and she said, oh no, we were just in Africa. And if you ever don't have a phone signal or the phone's dead, I want my daughters to know. And I saw that was so smart of her. I was like, you're a smart mom. Mm -hmm. And that little girl, those little girls, they know how to change the tires better than dad. (laughs) Awesome. You know, so so incredible. Yeah. And so I was really, I get off on that. You know, I love empowering the little beings of the world. And, and, and and I told her basically, I said, I'm going to turn your little girls into Rambos, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like female, yeah. female Rambos. <laughs> <laughs> Just like their mama. She's, she's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so I saw her as very smart for that. And, and it's a, you know, it's, it's kind of a funny meeting. The first time I went over to their house, I saw a blue belly lizard on the tree and I caught it, uh-huh. I shoved it in my mouth. And I turned around, I looked at him, I opened my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> lizard came jumping out of my mouth. Oh, Gary. But, um, that's awesome. So it was kind of, you know, they kind of enjoyed my, my wild wackiness, but, uh, yeah, yeah. that's a, that, that's what you're getting at though, is to go back to where we are is I love it when a parent, uh, recognizes that this is the knowledge they need to have. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. I think that you definitely are serving your purpose. The reason why you were, you were brought here or you chose to come here probably is what I would imagine, but Thanks for joining us on French with Benefits, Gary. You gonna come back? Yeah. What are we done already? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna cut it just because I, I gotta ta- get I, out of here. I talked your ear off. <laughs> no, <laughs> I I usually cut it at about an hour because my no, show. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. No, I'm, we'll I'm, do another. Go- well, it was so, such a pleasure, Stacy. As you can tell, I get I get fired up. I I. Uh, I'm passionate about all this. That's the thing with me is I get, once I get going, I get rolling. I'm, I, I love this. I, uh, it's, um, it's fun for me. So thank you for having me on and seeing the value in it. And, uh, you know, I love what you do too. And I'm very grateful. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gary. I'm going to, um, stop recording here. school of magic this week we're going to talk a little bit about manifestation i know that's like a really big topic for people and a lot of people talk a lot of crap about it but in reality we are what we think we are what we consume and we are what we speak of so i am i researched this i read a few articles read a few blogs one of the best lists i found that gave some really simple tips was this moderndaymanifestations.com These are little techniques that actually work. Well, I don't know if they totally work, but I'm assuming so. I have been reading Joseph Murphy's The Power of the Subconscious Mind, and these are all techniques that people can practice and implement in their day-to-day life that can probably, probably assist them in changing their mindset enough to where they actually move in the right direction to turn their thoughts into action. And that's where we want to go with this, folks. The first thing would be to create a gratitude loop. When you're putting gratitude and loving feeling out into the world, you're going to receive the same thing back. So I always talk about keeping a gratitude journal or making gratitude lists. I'm telling you what, the feeling that you feel when you think about the things that you're grateful for can totally change your mindset and can totally change your day. 
So creating a gratitude loop, you're putting it out there. I am grateful for you guys. I am grateful for my family. I am grateful for the time I got to spend with my dog while he was here. Those all have emotional attachment to them and they allow me to feel a certain way. And that is the key to manifestation is feeling the emotion that's attached to that thought. The pillow method, I'm not so sure about this one, but you basically you write your intention on a piece of paper and you sleep on it. In the book, Joseph Murphy's Power of a Subconscious Mind, he talks about doing your setting your intention as you're falling asleep, doing your visualization as you're falling asleep, and that somewhere in the the time between wakefulness and sleep, there's extra power there. I'm not sure how that works, but when you start to get drowsy and you're visualizing or as you're saying your mantra, that's in which your, your your brain gets into a certain frequency that that has it has magic attached to it. I don't know how it works, but it actually works. Next is subconscious reprogramming. That's all basically the same thing. Teaching your subconscious a different way of thinking and a different way of observing your thoughts. If you're thinking negative, nasty stuff all day, your subconscious is automatically picking up negative, nasty stuff all day. Another thing would be to give more, to do more altruistic, charitable things. It raises your hippie vibration. When you do things for other people, it feels really good. So doing things for others is a huge, it gives you, it gives you a huge advantage, huge benefit. Next is the 55 times 5. It's basically using repetition and using the power of numbers. There are other methods you can do. That's um, writing something down 55 times, 5 times a day. I don't know how, who has time for that, but there is another one. There is the 369 method where you write something down 3 times, and then later on in the day, write it down 6 times, and then in the evening, write it down 9 times. Do that for 30, 30 days. I have actually tried this, and my results were not that great, but maybe my head wasn't totally in it, but I did actually give that a go. Next is the two cup method. And this makes me laugh because not the two girls, one cup thing, but <laughs> the two cup method. You label the cups. The first cup is labeled with your current situation. And the second cup is labeled with what you desire. You want your situation to look at. You fill the first cup with water and then you watch and visualize as you pour the cup, the water into the second cup, and then you drink it. The movie method, this is visualizing a film with you as the main character and how things, um, how you would like for things to play out. Next would be scripting, writing out and rehearsing these desires and these thoughts and these goals will help immensely. Power affirmations, the I am-ness, I am confident. I am strong. I am powerful. Posture yourself up to be what you see yourself being. These really work. I'm telling you what. A manifestation box. Take a shoe box. Take a little treasure box. Put in there little pieces of paper with things that you want for your future. Pictures. Little crystals. Y'all know I love crystals. Little trinkets. Things to symbolize what you want your future to hold, put in your manifestation box. Next is hanging with the right people. We really are who we hang out with. There is guilt by association. We may not be like the sleazy guy that we hang out with on the weekends at the bar, 
But the more we surround ourselves with people that have a lower vibration than us or don't have the same goals as us, we lower ourselves to that standard. So be around people that are better than you, that are accomplishing more than you. They they do say that to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, never be the smartest person in the in the room. Next is acting as if. Pretend that you are that successful entrepreneur that you want to be. Pretend that you have $50,000 in the bank or more. Pretend, act as if you literally have what you're looking for and what you want. And then last is the 17 second method. When you wake up in the morning before you do anything else, 17 seconds isn't nothing. It's going to pass anyways. Take those 17 seconds to say, to think, and to feel exactly what you want to come to pass. Our stoic thought of the week goes to the epic George Orwell. He said, the people will believe what the media tells them they believe. Free speech is my right to say what you don't want to hear. And we sleep peaceably in our beds at night only because rough men stand ready to do violence on our behalf. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining me.